Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm Evan Gottesman. And I'm Eli Koz. And today we are going to be talking about, I can't believe I'm saying it, I really can't believe I'm saying it. Don't say it. Don't say it. I'm going to say, say it. it. You're not going to say it. I'm going to say it. You can't stop me. The possibility of a fourth Israeli legislative election. He said it. He said it. Ah. In the span of just over a year. In the middle of a pandemic. That is what we're talking about today. I still don't think it's that likely. But I've said this before. And I've said that during third elections. I've said it during second elections. But yeah, that is uh, a serious possibility. And we'll have to see whether or not a government comes together. Again, Benny Gantz, his mandate, the mandate has expired. He asked for an extension from the President Rivlin to extend the time he has to form a government. The president denied his request, which was unprecedented and hadn't happened before. A few reasons being, um, one, also he, I mean, he had the majority of recommendations. He actually reached 61, if you uh, recall, but at the same time, his Blue and White Party, during the course of those, the period that he had, split up and uh, he's left with a party that has half the number of seats um, against the Likud, who have 36 seats. And Gantz is in a position where his back is really against the wall. And I think we saw that in the remarks he made uh, just yesterday, uh, where it seemed like he was almost pleading for Netanyahu to join him in a unity government, because he sees that that's his only option. From Netanyahu's point of view, which is where the fourth elections come to play, Netanyahu will have to make a very difficult decision about whether to make a unity government with Gantz, which means all likely that he will sign and have an agreement where he will transfer over prime ministership to Benny Gantz in 18 months. Or the alternative is to go for fourth elections. And when the fourth elections, a poll came out yesterday by by Channel 12, uh, Chadashot, in that poll, the right-wing bloc actually reached 64 seats. Likud by itself in that poll gets 40 seats, which those are numbers that Likud hasn't been able to muster since 1988. That was the last time Likud had that many seats. You weren't even born. I wasn't even born. Exactly. This podcast wasn't around. There, there were no podcasts. I mean, I'm not sure. There could be. I, there could have been a few podcasts. I mean, just distributed differently. We called them radio shows. We're, 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 we're revealing our youth. But in any case, there was no Israel policy forum. It was a different world. And to show how things have kind of turned around, not only do you have the right-wing bloc pulling 64 seats and 40 seats just for Likud, you have Labor, the party whose predecessors founded the state of Israel, falls completely under the threshold. And if you listen to our last episode with former member of Knesset, Stav Shafir, we discussed a little more in detail there the collapse of the Labor Party, and it was kind of already on its way out. But this is a complete reversal for Labor. Labor is completely under the threshold. And not only that, Labor is polling below Gesher, Orly Levi Abakasis's party, which is also under the threshold, but by a slightly different margin there yeah i would i would just add we're talking about what we're still talking about one point right. here so i don't know and also in that poll you had the uh the jewish strength party above gesher and labor so it, it's it, it's one poll but it, it's very uh important that you mentioned but it's a sign of the times it is a sign of the times and also 
So, but that goes back to what this decision is about for Netanyahu. If these are the election results in the fourth elections, I can tell you without a doubt that Netanyahu would sign up for fourth elections today. But the question is, fourth elections, I mean, Israel's already in a, uh, just like the world, in an economic crisis. A quarter of Israel's workforce is unemployed. Um, the unemployment rate is the highest, I think, that it's ever been, and um, at 25%. Um, that is only going to get worse by the looks of things. We could be uh, arriving at fourth elections where we have a very different picture for Netanyahu. So he's going to have to make a calculation here about whether it's, a, it's worth it to risk it and maybe guarantee what looks like immunity from this poll, or is he going to take the, the safer route out, but that involves promising, not just promising that Benny Gantz becomes prime minister in 18 months, also, also promising to have a uh, less control of the Israeli court system and also and le- less control in terms of issues with, with the Palestinians, um, like annexation, um, and, and just to have more of a less, of, less control over Israeli democracy is pretty much uh, what, what we're talking about here, or, or less control about limiting Israeli democracy. But if Netanyahu makes those concessions, then he's already setting himself up for a situation in which he would disagree with his potential coalition partner, Benny Gantz, and in that eventuality, he can foment some kind of coalition crisis before you reach the end of that 18-month period, and then you can have another election there. So I think even if he signs away that concession to Gantz, that doesn't mean that there's necessarily going to be a rotation, and I think that's been fairly conventional wisdom from the beginning of these developments. I also want to add, you brought up the problems with the economic crisis, which is, of course, a byproduct of the coronavirus pandemic, and something that Netanyahu could benefit from as this crisis continues to play out somewhat indefinitely, there's no hard date for when Israel or the rest of the world is going to emerge from this, is that you have a little bit of a rally around the flag effect and a little bit of people feeling more comfortable with Netanyahu. And I mean, in a way, a crisis can benefit the incumbent and Netanyahu's handling of the coronavirus crisis has been popular. There have been polls that show a majority of Israelis look favorably upon Netanyahu's handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Meanwhile, regardless of what people think of Netanyahu, the opposition goes into another election really fragmented. As you mentioned before, Kaholavan broke up in the lead up to these latest negotiations with Benny Gantz taking his faction away to enter into negotiations with Netanyahu. You have the possibility that labor could slip under the threshold. In any case, labor was already going over to Netanyahu. And even, you know, of course, we talked about this before, it's just one poll, but even if labor does pass the threshold, it's going to pass the threshold with a handful of seats. This is not a robust, strong opposition, and the largest party has split in two, and maybe there's some going back from that. We heard earlier this week Moshe Yaalon, the head of the Telem faction, formerly part of that four-person cockpit of Kachol Lavan, saying to Benny Gantz that it's not too late, he can come back, they can reunify the party. But Benny Gantz went ahead with this joint request with Netanyahu to extend the mandate, which has now, of course, been extended until Wednesday. So if there was ever a window for Kacholavan and Yeshatid and Telem and this new Derech Eretz party to join back together. 
Again, I don't know if there really ever was a window for that to happen, but if it's happened, it's probably closed. And then, of course, you have the joint list, which has emerged as one of the largest factions in the Knesset. Ayman Oda went out on a limb twice and recommended Benny Gantz, and it was almost unprecedented in Israeli history. It was the first time, in September, it was the first time since 1992 that an Israeli Arab party had recommended a Jewish Zionist uh, prime ministerial candidate. I don't know if the, the the opposition can depend on the support of the the joint list for that kind of candidate anymore if they feel burned or they feel like it's an unreasonable political risk. So there are a lot of things that could change. Frankly, a lot of them benefit Netanyahu. One thing I'll note is that you mentioned the popularity of the incumbent during a crisis such, of, uh, such as this, and that's very much true, especially right now. But one thing we also saw in this uh, this poll that was conducted by Channel 12 was a decrease in support of Netanyahu's handling of the situation and the government's handling of the situation in general from a poll that was done about a week after the initial um, outbreak where support was super high. And here it was around, uh, it went down to around 60%. So I think, I don't know if that's indicative of, of a, it's not necessarily a trend, but it does it does point to the fact that the longer this crisis goes on, more and more things will be questioned when it comes to leadership and this support of how Netanyahu is handling it. And I'm sure Netanyahu is also aware of that, which is also uh, another reason why going to a unity government with Gantz, where whatever happens, the blame will be will then be shared in terms of what happens uh, with with the virus. That that's something that could play to Netanyahu's advantage in the, in the future, especially. When we're talking about that tentative rotation um, agreement that, again, could be problematic no matter what, what happens. But you get what I'm saying here is that Netanyahu kind of really has to um, examine uh, both options because a fourth election, we, we said it was a possibility, but I, I don't think it, it, it's more of a risky move from where I'm standing if I'm in Netanyahu's position. There's also the question of when a fourth election would take place, and we sort of hinted at this at the beginning, but because of the pandemic and the precautions that would need to take place in order to hold another election, in order to have people go to the polls, I mean, Israel doesn't have a mail-in ballot or absentee ballot system the way that we do here in the United States, so that's a consideration. So Netanyahu could maneuver in such a way that the Knesset is dissolved, there is a move toward a fourth election, but the election uh, may be scheduled sometime later than it normally would have been, or in a really extreme scenario, and I don't think this would necessarily happen, but it could be postponed semi-indefinitely. And for Netanyahu, who is just planning his next move in, in, I think, a very tactical fashion, just looking at things day to day, week to week. How does he stay out of jail? How does he stay one step ahead of the courts? That's fine for him. He's not trying to implement any kind of national grand strategy. I mean, annexation is politically expedient for him now. It hasn't been in the past. And so he's just looking at what will keep him around a little bit longer so he can stay one step ahead of his rivals. Remember, he's been transitional a transitional prime minister or like acting prime minister, I don't know what the official translation um, is uh, to English, but for the past uh, almost year and a bit, and no one has really noticed. It's worked out pretty well for him now, and also um, he, he still retains all all the powers. Israel's parliament hasn't been functioning 
properly, but um, Netanyahu himself is doing uh, just fine. Right, and there are certain functions that an acting prime minister, a transitional government, isn't supposed to undertake. And we had a previous program about this with the former deputy attorney general of Israel, Joshua Shoffman, where he elaborated on some of that. But that hasn't seemed to be a huge obstacle to Netanyahu. And he's sort of transforming the way that an acting prime minister, a transitional government, is perceived. So there is a lot that could happen in the next couple of days. And of course, tomorrow is the new deadline for Netanyahu and Gantz to conclude their negotiations. So we'll have to see what happens there. But with that, thank you again for joining us on this episode of Israel Policy Pod. Thanks, Evan. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. And for all of our listeners, just a few brief announcements. We have every week at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Tuesdays, our video briefing series. The next one, I'm actually going to be on with my colleague, Dr. Shira Efron. We're going to be talking about In Search of a Viable Option, the new Israel Policy Forum study that we co-authored, evaluating seven different potential outcomes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Today, we hosted a good friend of the organization and a previous and future podcast guest, Colonel Shaul Arieli, talking about the history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the viability of the Trump plan. So I encourage you to check those out. And you can look at all of those opportunities, view recordings of past video briefings, and listen to previous podcasts on our new Israel Policy Hub website that's available at ipf.li forward slash hub. So again, thanks for tuning in. Be healthy, be well, Chag Sameach, and we will catch you on the next episode.